Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly and OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die <laughs> you know, you know that that started us off with a bang. We don't have Pat this week, and so we knew we might have some technical difficulties because because uh, Pat's our glue that holds it all together. But Pat, what is he doing, Chris? And he's like, he's like taking care of his grandkids this weekend or, or this, this today or something, right? Something like that. But he's definitely staying on top of everything because he has been texting with us. But when we invited him to join us, he said something about having had several drinks. He used the word several, so. <laughs> Pat's he, having some family time right now. He uh, he he definitely is no stranger to the uh, old fashions on uh, Lake Wissota up uh, up in Chippewa Falls. So so we will uh, we will see Pat next week when we start talking about the primaries. But um, uh, we got a really interesting show uh, this week. We're gonna we we only get to talk to Representative Mark Pocan every now and then because he's a very busy guy. But we're gonna talk to him about his. What his, what his reactions were to the January 6th hearings, which is pretty amazing because, you know, he was, uh, you know, ostensibly there on January 6th and his life was potentially in danger. So it's going to be really, really great to hear from him and kind of hear what his reactions are. And then we're going to talk to uh, Rich Harnan about uh, he's the executive director of the High Speed Rail Association, and he's going to update us on what's going on in high speed rail in Wisconsin after it was derailed. Uh, in 2010, uh, a long time ago. So we'll talk about that. But we we have a little time in the beginning. We, this is a crazy time that Pat's not with us because you know Pat would be all over this. But we have a huge announcement today in the Wisconsin U.S. Senate race. So Kristen, what's going on uh, right now? I couldn't believe it when I woke up this morning and checked the news and saw that Alex Lazary has jumped out of the race for U.S. Senate. What a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the guy spent $12 million uh, trying to win this race. Um, seemingly there is, you know, people have already voted in the primary mm-hmm. often, you know, probably he was coming in second in the polls. Uh, I, I mean, I thought they're all great candidates. Let me, like, I, I loved, I love Sarah Godlewski. I loved uh, Nelson. I love mm-hmm. uh, Mandela. I love Lazary. I think they're all good candidates. Uh, but yeah, this was surprising to me, and I have, I have no—I don't really understand why. Do you any idea, Kristen? It, it, no clue. I, you know, he says that the polls and there was just information out there that suggested that he wasn't able to win this race. But it looked like he was gaining momentum, and he and Mandela were neck and neck. I mean, they were the top two. So it's very confusing to me, especially in light of Tom Nelson, who's so scrappy. I just love Tom Nelson, but he's my homeboy from Kakana. <laughs> but you know, Tom dropped out on Monday, and to have Alex drop out on Wednesday it is such a shifting landscape right now well the the one thing I read today and it makes a lot of sense was it's possible that uh, in in the political world in order to make up a few 
percentage points, you might need to go negative. And uh, Elazri, if he had to go negative, then maybe he didn't want to do that. And so he just decided to drop out instead. But anyways, uh, we are, that music is telling us we got to cut off. <laughs> so we're going to go to a commercial break. And, uh, and we are going to uh, talk to Mark Pocan after this break. Welcome back to the Up North podcast and this amazing song about America. And if you guys could have seen Representative Pocan's background when he first joined us, it was all about America. So here's our intro. Last week we started the, the or we saw that the last January 6th hearing in this first round of the hearings uh, starting in June was all about how Trump delayed t- taking and watching it on Fox News and calling senators to try to get them to change their votes. And it was so painfully difficult for Trump to tell the rioters to go home, which alluded to the obvious truth that he was hoping the violence would have led to a presidential coup that would have kept him in power. So watching those hearings has brought me, many of us, much closer to what happened on that day and has shown us the real danger to those like Representative Pocan who were there at the Capitol. So we're so very lucky to have Representative Mark Pocan with us tonight to give us his thoughts about what these hearings have revealed for Wisconsinites and his own reactions and emotions having to relive the events of that day during these hearings. Congressman Pocan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Hey, very glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, first question, before we go into your reactions to these hearings, can you remind us where you were on January 6th and what was going on in your mind at the time? Sure. So I was in my office in the Longworth building, seventh floor, the top floor. Um, Wisconsin was one of the seven states they expected to have Republicans try to overturn our election. So for days, uh, Gwen Moore, Ron Kind, and I were going to be leading that hour debate when it came to Wisconsin. We'd been preparing for it. Um, I was all set to quote a bunch of Republicans from Wisconsin uh, about how the elections were fair. I was going to ask if I could speak from the Republican side of the floor uh, since I was quoting Republicans, getting all ready for it. And uh, when everything happened, um, you know, I was in the office, we were under lockdown at that point. Um, But, you know, our information came in from CNN and MSNBC on our TVs. We didn't really get that much internal information. And, you know, one thing, and I wish I would have taken more video of it at the time, I just didn't think of it, but I'm on the roof. I walked on the roof to the very front of the building, looking at the Capitol with thousands of people on each side of the Capitol. And I've never seen that that perspective shown anywhere. And I just snapped a couple photos, but you know, it was it was something to see how many people were there, um, likely including one of the congressional candidates from Wisconsin um, on the Republican side. Uh, but I was in the office and kind of taking it in from that perspective. So we're definitely gonna get to uh... Derek Van Orden being on the other side uh, with uh, one mm-hmm. of the people that were potentially attacking you uh, and running for Congress in Wisconsin. But we, before we get there, um, I wanted to kind of still set the stage. I mean, we just watched, I think, seven hearings or so. I might be off by a couple, but uh, it's been it's t- taken our whole summer. Every single hearing, 
uh, we get something new out of it, and it's more damning to to everyone involved, to Trump and all you know, all the people that were helping him. Um, my big, my overall question is, is you know, your colleagues on the January sixth committee, um, you know, do you think? I mean, what what is their ultimate goal? I mean, a part of me thinks they need to lay out the case for the Department of Justice, but obviously, the bigger goal is laying out you know, the facts for the United, United States uh, citizens and voters. Uh, do you think they've achieved that goal? What are other goals, uh, you know, and how well have they done so far in, in, in getting, getting us the facts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really think their goal was for the historical record to put everything out there. And if there were illegal actions, the Department of Justice hopefully will act on those. Um, I, I'm cautiously, I don't know if I can say optimistic with that because I think, you know, the Department of Justice is run by someone who's very judicious, but I'm not sure if they'll be um, maybe as swift in dealing with some of the information that's come out of the committee. But, you know, clearly uh, there's been a lot of damning information coming out on Donald Trump and what's happened. And, uh, you know, I think we're seeing it in some polling now, right? I think in Michigan, Ron DeSantis was within two points of Donald Trump and even in the Republican Party. Um, you know, it, it is a cult right now, right? It's not a political party. Donald Trump is still the cult leader and there still are cult followers. But I, I think this is making some people have to remember and see everything and hear everything again, that maybe their memory has changed thanks to Fox News and other conservative media organizations. Um, but I, I really hope that this is enough to make the Department of Justice look seriously at action. Why do you think, given all of this information, they're proceeding so cautiously. I mean, we just saw in the New York Times today, yesterday maybe, that they're starting to dig a little bit deeper, but still no signs of anything substantial. Why the wait? I think any um, prosecutorial body, it wants to make sure that they're going to be able to win, right? That's They're getting enough evidence to make sure that if they bring it to um, actual to trial, that they're going to be able to, to have a win and, and convict someone. So I understand some of that. Um, I just hope that they're looking at the totality of what's out there. I mean, clearly some people around Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, for example, should be a slam dunk, right, mm -hmm. in doing some actions. But, uh, I, you know, I don't expect it to be fast. That's one thing that, you know, if you're expecting something by November, I, I think you should have other expectations because I just don't think they're working on that kind of a timeline. This isn't about November's election. This is about history. Right. What's going to be right. any future president, Democrat or Republican, who might be as extreme uh, as Donald Trump? We can't let this happen again. So, you know, I'm OK with things not happening fast. I just hope that they are very thorough in dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was going to ask another question, but it just begs me to, uh, you know, if if you know, we, we hope this is not going to happen. But if the majority changes in either the House or the Senate and the Republicans actually have a majority in either House or potentially both houses, um, I don't think it's going to happen, by the way, after Roe got overturned, honestly. But if they do, um, is there any way that they can actually, you know, mess with the Department of Justice in the, in the last two years, which will then become a lame duck session probably for, for President Biden. I mean, can they, can they alter the course of things if they have a majority in either, in either house? Yeah. So, you know, they'll try, absolutely. They'll try to make them just lose a lot of time that they could be putting into something like this and they should. Um, absolutely. But, you know, just like in Wisconsin, you know, think, thankfully we have Tony Evers and Josh Call uh, statewide when you have this gerrymandered Republican legislature 
who hired Mike Gableman and, and all the other craziness that you see coming out of the legislature, you know, they really, there's ways they can try to slow down Josh Call's job, but he can still do a lot of things. And obviously the governor still ultimately has the veto like the president would on legislation. So, you know, there's no question they would, you would hear Hunter Thompson and laptops and every other folklore history uh, in the world uh, in during that two years, if they were in charge, but uh, I'm hopeful that Department of Justice could still act. So speaking of Attorney General Call, who is amazing, mm-hmm. do you think that he or the Wisconsin Elections Commission or the Dane County District Attorney, anyone could bring cases against Ron Johnson for trying to pass Wisconsin and Michigan's fraudulent electors to Mike Pence. I mean, that was a real revelation to many of us. And we know how flawed Ron Johnson is. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> I think that, to me, the best case out there is the fake electors, people who knew and tried to falsify that they were the electors from Wisconsin, that potentially there could be some legal action there. I mean, honestly, Ron Johnson, usually it's things that are stupid more than um, outright illegal. And, you know, I think, again, Ron, you know, like he often does, um, you know, chews on a shoe or two um, when he's talking about things. And in this case, I think, you know, said, you know, try to blame it on uh, another member of Congress who said it wasn't them, try to blame it on his staff. And then we find out, you know, through some texts that he clearly was involved. But, you know, knowing Ron, he didn't even know how bumbling he was uh, at the time. And whether or not that's there's a legal action there, I'm not sure because nothing wound up happening. Um, but, you know, certainly it shows us uh, why when Ron Johnson says something, you shouldn't trust him. Like, so- like I'm on the phone. <laughs> What? I'm on the phone. That's yeah. one of my favorite video clips of oh, all yeah. times. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so you refer, so uh, Congressman Pocan, you, you alluded to uh, this uh, nonprofit group uh, named Law Forward, who we've had many of their lawyers on our show to talk about everything from gerrymandering to the WEC, the fraudulent electors. Uh, they are bringing a civil suit against the fraudulent electors of Wisconsin. They're trying to make it so painful to them because they might have to pay up to millions of dollars for doing something illegal, but it's a civil suit that they think they can win um, that hopefully nobody else even tries this again because you might you know, lose millions. That's what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, my super PAC led a led a charge that failed uh, against against Fitzgerald, Tom Tiffany, and Ron Johnson. Scott Fitzgerald opened the door to let these fraudulent electors meet. But Tom Tiffany was the only Wisconsin congressman to vote to sign on to Texas' lawsuit to overturn the Wisconsin votes. The only one, like, uh, and there's a lot of crazy Republican congressmen in, uh, that in Wisconsin. He was the only one. To us, in that lawsuit, uh, those two actions, along with passing the fraudulent electors and and just being a mouthpiece for the big lie, it was enough. Um, do you do you th- um, do you think that in a perfect world that would be enough uh, to to potentially make them not not be able to run again because they were part of this conspiracy? I, you know, the way the Republicans work and money is usually not their problem. They they can hire lawyers up and try to lawyer up in order to protect those folks. But you still have to go through that, right? I mean, I don't think they ever probably thought that they were going to have to lawyer up after what they did uh, that day. I think they thought they were either going to get away with it 
or they didn't think through it probably as thoroughly, but it was an illegal action nonetheless. I mean, it, it should have been something that whoever organized this certainly um, ran by them. But I, I hope that uh, it does send a message because we have to get back to politics at, in in normal way that we don't have right now. Um, you know, you can differ with people, and I differed with many Republicans over my years in the legislature, but I still got things done at the end of the day. This this new group of Republicans, that's why I call it more of a cult than a political party. Um, you know, when Marjorie Taylor Greene is actually calling many of the shots in the House of Representatives, for example, uh, that's a real problem because that's not a political party. That's a, an extremist organization at that point. And we so appreciate the work that you've done across the aisle because that's exactly what we need to see. And when we talk about people, especially up here in northern Wisconsin, they're so tired of this divisiveness. But what we see is people like Derek Van Orden, who is clearly part of this cult. He was there at the Capitol that day. He's running for Congress. He could be a congressman from Wisconsin. So there you were on the roof of Longfellow watching all of these people, and he was down there. He, how, how, just how? Tell us how. <laughs> Where is this in your mind? <laughs> I hear you, I'll tell you, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Western Wisconsin um, after the August 9th primary, um, because one, in order to keep the majority, we have to hold the third congressional district in Democratic hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I, you know, as you mentioned, Tom Tiffany already kind of has poisoned the state delegation a bit because he will vote in the most extremist Trumpian way and then make others have to follow or get beat up by the Republican base in the state. So already things are different than they were previously when I've been in Congress, which is a shame because there was a better relationship as a medium sized state. You got to kind of work together a little bit to get things done. And uh, it's changed. But but uh, Tom Tiffany will look like a raging moderate if Derek Van Orden is elected. Not only did he use campaign funds to attend the insurrection um, and there's audio of him being on the wall with the boys. Not sure if that just means boys like men, or if that means proud boys, um, but he won't denounce the proud boys, which is troubling. Um, but then, you know, he got in a fight at Prairie du Chien Library with a 17-year-old intern over an LGBTQ book display, checked out all the books but one because someone was reading it with the intent clearly not to return them. Uh, he um, tried to carry a loaded gun onto a plane in Iowa, and he's on probation for that since the last election. He uh, called the 10-year-old girl who was raped uh, in Ohio, uh, a liar. And then his only um, response back when he found out it was true is said, I stand corrected. Like, where's the apology to the 10 year old you just uh, maligned? I mean, this is a guy, he exposes genitals when he brags about in a book uh, when he was in the military. I mean, there's so much more you're gonna continue to hear about this guy, but this guy is extreme by any standard. Uh, in Wisconsin politics. And I don't want to serve with someone who, you know, thought they could overthrow the government. I mean, if that's their approach, um, they shouldn't be in elected office. Uh, and, um, you know, there are many good candidates in the third congressional district, whoever comes out of that primary, I'm going to be enthusiastically helping uh, to do whatever we can to get them elected. Um, but, you know, Derek Van Dorn is truly um, extreme by any national standard. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for, uh, for, you know, you're going outside of your district, you're going into the third district. Uh, obviously, you know, you're in Madison and, and, you know, I don't even know if anybody's running against you, but they've been gerrymandered so much that you're, you're not really at risk. So it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and, and, but it is still wonderful that you're going to go and campaign for, for 
decency, basically. It's it's not campaigning against Van Noren. It's campaigning for democracy and decency in Wisconsin. And, and there's a ton of ton of Republican voters in the third district who are very decent people who will be fed uh, complete garbage uh, that will and the, the garbage that is not true to to vote for Van Orden when this guy really is uh, as close to a domestic terrorist that uh, running for office that, that we've seen in a long time. Absolutely, and I would say he's not Wisconsin Knights, but he spent so little in time Wisconsin. I don't know if I could even uh, put that term in front of him. Awful. Hey, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I just want to put in a little plug for the Defense of Marriage Act, which is yours, and it's amazing and necessary. So, Congressman Mark Pocan, thank you. Thank you all. Take care. Won't you let me die? In my dreams I'd ride the rails to California Working diners and farms along the way Or I'd hop a ride to hide across the border With a black-eyed girl beside me all the way Welcome back to the Up North podcast. I figured we had to play some Jim Croce, <laughs> Jim Croce railroad music um, because I was, we're talking about that on this segment. I was super tempted to go get a stick and tie all my belongings up to the bottom of the <laughs> stick and then throw it over my shoulder as I was listening to that music, Kirk. Yeah. So this next segment, um, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk to Richard Harnish, and if you're watching, uh, you're gonna watching the podcast. He's on right now. Uh, thanks for joining us, Richard. You're, he's the, uh, the executive director of the High Speed Rail Alliance. Uh, I believe it's kind of the Midwest area. So thanks for joining us, Richard. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. So. Our audience might be wondering, we just talked about uh, Congressman Pocan's reactions to the January 6th hearings, and why the heck are we going to talk about rail in Wisconsin next? Well, there is an actual good segue here. Uh, uh, The segue is uh, misinformation has led to Wisconsin, uh, Trump saying that the uh, election was rigged in Wisconsin, and misinformation led to us uh, losing a wonderful opportunity to get rail between uh, Milwaukee and Madison. Uh, the quick story, I'll do the quick story, but I'm sure uh, Rick you know, has got a bigger story and he's gonna tell us what's going on now. But basically it was during the Obama years, uh, there was a stimulus bill passed and, and there was uh, uh, money, uh, you know, federal money that was given to projects that were already in place. And there was a uh, there was a, a rail project in place that I believe was started by Tommy Thompson, our Republican governor, and then carried through by Jim Doyle, our Democratic governor. And we got some money uh, to the tune of around fifty million dollars, I believe. And Rick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was to to buy some some awesome rail uh, cars from from a company in Spain and to build this build this track. And the, mis- the same type of misinformation that we got that said that the uh, elections were rigged in Wisconsin uh, was the information that was given uh, by uh, our, our Republican governor, Scott Walker, who said, 
somehow or another, Wisconsin is not going to have the money to keep maintaining this rail, even though there have been all this uh, wonderful uh, uh, economic development uh, uh, progress in Wisconsin that would have probably created those dollars. Uh, so that's we lost we lost that opportunity. And Rick, I would like you to correct my story if I'm at all wrong. Uh, tell us the history in your own words, and then tell us now, hopefully, what's what's happened 12 years later to uh, rail in Wisconsin. So um, it is true that um, Tommy Thompson uh, was a strong leader on expanding Amtrak service across the not just Wisconsin but the Midwest, and uh, Wisconsin staffed the effort to create a multi-state plan that included Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, and Missouri. Um, and the, the first expansions of Amtrak service from that plan that were put together under Tommy Thompson's leadership were um, improving the service between Chicago and Detroit improving the service between Chicago and St. Louis and extending the Amtrak Hiawatha uh, from, uh, it today goes between Chicago and Milwaukee and extending that to Madison. And that did include um, really cool trains that would be less expensive to operate than the standard uh, Amtrak trains. Uh, so it was a really great project that was put together by Tommy Thompson the money happened to come during the Doyle administration, uh, but um, I think it was part of an effort to kill passenger rail in general across the country. And Wisconsin was just a major player in that effort through, through Governor Walker. Um, it's unfortunate because you'd have great trains running today to, to Madison and you'd be staged to having great trains to Green Bay and Nina, et cetera. And that would mean better bus service to upper Wisconsin. So just remind us, didn't we have to pay an exorbitant amount of money in a lawsuit to get, we, we refused the money from the federal government, but then because we had made a contract with this, with this uh, company that was making us trains in Spain, we had to pay them money too, right? What, what was the result of this? Uh, well, and uh, construction was, our, so the tracks are already there. Uh, between Milwaukee and Madison, uh, between Watertown and uh, Madison, they're actually owned by the state. Um, and so there was some construction on the upgrades to those tracks that was already underway. And the state had to pay penalties for that, for getting out of those contracts and also penalties for getting out of the contract with the railroad. Um, but, you know, it's an unfortunate story, but now you've got this great opportunity to do it right, uh, because there is now, again, money available. Uh, the state already knows what needs to happen, um, and it's time to make it happen. And it shouldn't just be about... Um, Milwaukee and Madison, it should be about Eau Claire. It should be about Green Bay. Um, it should be about much better bus service across the state. It really needs to be a statewide effort to improve transportation for everybody. So, and, and it's because there's an opportunity now because they just passed this infrastructure budget like 
gajillions of dollars uh, that, you know, under the Biden. That was the one thing that they passed that was somewhat bipartisan in the last few months was this infrastructure bill. So how, where where is where are we in? Uh, you know, or, or, or is, do you know if the high speed rail alliance is involved with applying for some of these grants to get some of that money? So our role, we're an educational nonprofit. Okay. But our role is to help people understand why we should build fast, frequent, affordable trains um, and what steps they can take to make it happen on their own behalf. So we don't actually um, uh, get involved in the implementation. Um, but because of this, so there was a lot of money in there for highways and a tiny little bit for passenger rail. Um, but because of that tiny little bit, uh, there now is the opportunity for Wisconsin to aggressively apply for those funds. But the state has to do it. The state DOT has to go to the FRA and say, we want to do this. As you know, we have a football team up here. And we <laughs> it's a really good football team. And we are drawing people from all over the state, but especially population centers. So it would be wonderful for people to hop on a train and be able to come up here and go to the games, be able to appreciate all of the other things that Green Bay has to offer without having to drive their cars and being so much more um, environmentally responsible, economically responsible. There are so many benefits. Can you talk a little bit about the major benefits that this brings to the everyday Wisconsinite? Well, you know, I actually was in Green Bay last Friday. Um, and I got to tell you, after a, a very, very busy week and wanting to drive home and see my family, it was hard to stay focused on that drive. Mm -hmm. And that scares me. Mm -hmm. um, it took me, there was a lot of driving that I did through that week in general, because we don't have good trains. It took me until Sunday to recover physically from the sitting around, but you have to pay attention. Right. Um, so it's, it's safer. It's more comfortable. I could have been either sleeping or working or watching a movie if I hadn't have been driving. So it's a much nicer way to travel. It's also a lot less expensive. So, you know, we think about the price of gas. Typically, the Amtrak ticket is around the price of gas, perhaps lower. Um, but there's all kinds of other costs that go into that. And then for our cities, because we've designed our cities and we tore down so many valuable buildings in our cities to build surface parking lots, our cities are really hurting financially because they don't have the tax base that they need to support the road infrastructure. So trains can be a catalyst for making it more walkable communities, which are much more financially stable and again, safer. And you bump into people on the street and you have conversations with people on the street. Maybe you run into somebody that has different ideas than you and you share ideas and you learn to work together better. It's less isolating. So it can be a catalyst for many things, but the most important thing is it's better travel for in many cases. Mm -hmm. So the um, now I was reviewing. You have a great you have a great website uh, that kind of educates the public about all the different reasons why rail is uh, better for uh, for transit. Um, one of the things I read was that you know connecting cities, you know, like this 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 line after Madison could go to Eau Claire 
and, and places potentially in between and then go to Minneapolis, the line that connects Chicago to Milwaukee can be extended to all the areas of the Fox Valley, Appleton, Oshkosh, Bondalak, it stops along the way. Um, all these cities who are connected by rail now have, you know, there's a lot of economic benefits to that, economic development benefits. You can have commuters uh, from much further away uh, you know, so you can draw on workers from further away. You have the interconnectedness between cities, which which helps all the cities and helps tourism throughout all the cities. Uh, that's what I read. I mean, is am I am I am I am I on with that, or are there other benefits besides the one I've said? Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely true. Uh, you know, and and it's not just about big city to big city. Um, while I was in Green Bay, I was talking to someone who was in La Crosse on. This was in the last couple of weeks. They were in lacrosse on a specific day. And the next day they needed to be at a wedding at Devil's Lake and their wife was coming down from Green Bay. So he was able to take the train to Portage and then she picked him up and took him to the wedding. Um, so it's that kind of thing. It's, it's small trips that maybe don't quite make sense for driving or maybe do, or, you know, it's a lot of different stuff. Um, it's the homage. You know, I loved taking the train to Toma one time, and it was like being on the subway where everybody stands up before they announce the station stop because they know the station's coming, right? I was on a car of Amish, and before they announced the station stop for Toma, everybody on the car started, got up and started getting their luggage. They're taking that train all the time. Uh, so there's lots and lots of benefits. There's also the issue that highways are really wide. Um, take up a lot of land. You get the stuff dropping off the car into the water that you don't want in the water. Uh, the tires rubbing off into the water. So there's a many, many benefits. It's hard to describe them. I just love to hear you talking about all of this community building. I mean, when you were talking earlier about it's walkable and you can have conversations with people and you can get exercise. I'm a physician and I have a master's in public health. And we talked a lot about these communities where you get out and you can walk to the grocery store, ride your bike to the grocery store. And we just don't have that sense of community anymore. So I wonder, Rich, do you have an idea of a place, a city or a country where they use rail effectively and in a way that you would like to see us replicate that? Well, the, the exciting thing is that there are are many different places that have done passenger rail very well. Um, frankly, it's most of the world. Um, and uh, North and South America are outliers for some reason. So Asia and Europe, it's pretty standard. Africa, kind of middling. Um, but that's one of the things I love is like another example, I was in London um, one time and I had a meeting. I didn't know how long the meeting was going to go for. Um, so as soon as the meeting was over, I walked and the meeting was in the train station in London. I walked down to the ticket counter. And I said, I want to be in Marseille. Now, Marseille, London to Marseille is like going from Minneapolis to Cincinnati. Um, and I said, I want to be go to Marseille. And they said, well, there's a train in 10 minutes and there's a train in, in 20 minutes. And I said, I'll take the one in 20 minutes. And five hours later, I was in the middle of Marseille and it's beautiful. You get off the train station, the hotels are there, there's restaurants there, 
there's this beautiful view of the bay and you walk down the stairs and you're in the main business district. Uh, there's examples like that all over where you come out of the train station, you're there. And that's big, big cities and small cities. That's, that's one thing that we should be striving for. Okay, so Rick, um, we got about two minutes left and uh, I just wanna, we have a very polarized government uh, in Wisconsin, probably one of the worst in the United States. What is it gonna take uh, to, to, for them to join hands and m do the right thing and get good rail in Wisconsin? I mean, what, what, are, the, what are the hurdles we have to overcome? So the biggest thing is people who want to be able to ride the train, people who want the benefits to their communities, um, be that trains bring, they need to communicate with their leaders in Madison often um, and make it clear that this is something they really want. Um, and, you know, it, this isn't an issue that needs to be polarized like that. Um, the communities that have the biggest access issues typically tend to be rural and small towns. Um, and those areas need to make it clear that they need good train access. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And those are our people. We're the Up North podcast, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> those are the people you know, we're trying to talk to. That's right. I, uh, I have to go to Escanaba next week. And it really annoys me. I'm going to spend a day of driving, a day in Escanaba, and a day of driving. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the way it should be. Escanaba should be served by trains with, oh, I forgot what the stop would be in the north of Green Bay, but it would be part of the Green Bay service going on. Marinette Menominee. I, and it's such a beautiful <laughs> ride. Why have to spend all your time driving and getting tired? Enjoy the ride. Rich, thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing your perspective. I don't know about you, Kirk, but I feel enlightened. I'm I happy. know. I know. I want to fight harder for rail. We don't bring, bring it up nearly enough. Absolutely. Great. Thank you for having me. Now I'm a warrior. Now I've got thicker skin. I'm a warrior. I'm stronger than I've ever been. And my honor is made of steel. You can't get in. I'm a warrior. And you can Oh, I just love her voice. Ah, thanks as always to our radio hosts, Devil Radio 92.7, The Shaw 101.1 FM, and WAUK 5.40 AM. You can use their Devil Radio app to catch the show anytime. Or get the podcast version of the show from all the usual places or the show's website, upnorthpodcast.com. And we also put the video version up on the Facebook page of Kirk's Manaqua Brewing Company and on YouTube. And of course, you can always find Pat's daily work, even though we don't know where to find Pat right now, over at upnorthnewswi.com. He's, he's probably wobbling at a fish fry right now because he's been drinking old fashions all day long. But hopefully he's got his knee brace on so it feels better. <laughs> Hey, we did want to mention, um, talking about absentee ballots and the folks who dropped out of the Senate race, if you did vote for one of those folks and you wanted to vote for someone else, you can, I do believe this law is still in place, you can go to your clerk's office and you can change your vote. And in Wisconsin, I think we can change it up to three times. So give your clerk a call and set it up. All right. So we played Demi Lovato's Warrior and 
Demi, I'm not, that's not my genre necessarily, but I, I love that uh -huh. song sure. because it, uh, because it talks about growing a thicker skin. And I think both of the topics we talked about tonight, one was how, you know, we, Wisconsin tried to submit a fraud, fake electors, uh, Ron Johnson tried to pass that. Uh, and then 10 year, 12 years ago, Scott, uh, Scott Walker derailed our, our, our ability to get good rail in Wisconsin. We've been through a lot in Wisconsin over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I would say that Wisconsin has lost its innocence. What used to be known as a, as a state with, uh, with really clean politics, and that is no longer the case. Um, and so, you know, that song warrior and getting a thicker skin, I think I've definitely gotten a thicker skin. I, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was, you know, this naive kid who thought everything in the life should be beautiful and good and, you know, and that we should all be, you know, fair to each other. And, and that's not necessarily the case anymore in Wisconsin. And I think the pandemic made me get a thicker skin uh, when I almost lost my business. And I, now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fighting uh, for Wisconsin to try to get it to a place where, where I remembered as a kid. Uh, what's do you have an example have, have you had to grow a thicker skin Kristen since you got more involved in politics Kirk we all know you have a squishy center you're so sweet <laughs> yeah of course politics is ugly and I think that's one of the biggest reasons that people don't want to run for office first of all we're so profoundly gerrymandered so you don't think that you have the chance of success but it's scary to even think about throwing your hat in the ring because what happens when you do? You get defamed by these ugly, it just people that will say anything. I mean, these, it, it, there's no longer that John McCain who defended Barack Obama when a woman called him an Arab and John McCain stepped up and said, no, ma'am. Like that was one of the most amazing things. And that does not happen anymore. So yeah, I definitely have a thicker skin and we all have to have a thicker skin if we're going to get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, it continually, um, cause I know, and you grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin. Most people are appalled, mm -hmm. uh, by, by people, by politicians who attack each other. And uh, mm -hmm. this is not, we are still Wisconsin nice. It's just that our politics are completely screwed up. And so, you know, the, what's the answer? I mean, it's the answer is, is that us Wisconsin nice people have got to be more involved and we have to just uh, say, we are not gonna stand for this anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, and, and hopefully through this radio program and we're expanding, uh, you know, you're gonna find out about this. I think Pat talked about it last week, but we're expanding. This program is gonna be a couple hours every day uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, in places like Chippewa Falls, in places like uh, Hudson, in places like Wausau, I don't know if they got something happening in your neck of the woods, uh, Kristen. Oshkosh. But, you Oshkosh. know, it's not going to be like that hyperbolic, crazy radio that associates all these words that don't make sense. It's going to be honesty and it's going to be bringing people together. It's going to be that place in the middle where we can have conversations again, because that's who we are. That's who Wisconsinites are. Pro progressive talk radio is the truth it's not a bunch of rush limbaugh people so i hope that we can do that for everyone in the coming weeks and that's the end of our show everyone thank you so much kristen thanks to uh, representative pokan and rick harnish for being guests on the show and we will see you next week at the cat thanks thanks squishy Kirk. <laughs> <laughs>